says, Danny, you get ready. We're going to look into healthy, wealthy, fact or fiction. All right, Danny, Psalm chapter 37 and verse 4. <clears throat> Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Okay. Now that verse, all by its little lonesome, sounds very convincing that God is going to give us everything we want, doesn't it? If you delight yourself, you do what God wants you to do. Oh, he's going to give you all the blessings in the world to give you everything you ever want to get. It says, look here, it says desires of your heart. But I want to pinpoint something here. Although that verse looks good by itself, and we're going to show you some others that the charismatics use, I want you to see also what they don't show you, the other side of the coin. But first, let's look at what verses they do use, some very familiars they use. 3 John, verse 2. Oh, yes. 3 John, verse 2 is very common with them. And we're going to ask you to read this one as well, Danny, because Ruthie's trying to get the preacher something to drink, so she knows it's going to be a long one tonight, so we've got to give her a few seconds here so you can help me out. Third John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, you want to know something stupid about this? It did not say the word will. He said, I wish above all things. But they take that and change that word wish from wish to a definite promise. Now, do you see a definite promise here, Danny? No. Promise, yes. Huh? It says, I, I see a wish. You don't see a definite promise, do you? No. No. It nowhere in here says that he will make us prosper and be in good health. Means we're going to have healthy and wealthy. Means we're going to have lots of money and always be healthy. Because we're going to get to the point here very soon that there's a problem with this gospel that they're forgetting. But they take this verse and say you will prosper and be in health, but they forget it says, I wish. Hello, Charismatics. You can wish your kid goes down the street on that little bicycle that he just started riding. You can wish above everything you want. That he would never fall over off that bike and skin his knee, but guess what's going to happen? He's going to do it anyway until he learns how to do it. So he ain't going to always know how to ride that bike. Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21. Verses 21 and 22. Ruth, are you able to read for us yet? Okay, well, we'll let Danny read this one then real quick while you're getting still ready. Matthew chapter 21, verses 21 and 22, Danny. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto, the unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. 
In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Ooh. Well, you notice the charismatics love that verse. I mean, Ruth, you've been in a charismatic church. Isn't that a verse they love? Oh, they love these verses. But excuse me, it's talking about prayer. But we need to understand something about prayer that we're going to find out tonight that they're not telling you. The charismatics don't tell you this other part. They just say, whatever you ask, whatever you ask, According to this verse, whatever you ask, if you have enough belief and faith, you'll receive it. So, if you're a blind person, you say you want your sight, and you don't get your sight back when you walk up in that line to be healed, guess what? They say you, you must not have enough faith, and you're in sin. That's what they tell you. But we're going to take care of that tonight, too. Don't worry about it. Uh, we're going to step on their toes on that issue pretty soon here, too. But the whole point is they say... The, you, if you have enough faith, you could do just about anything. You do a lots of stuff. Amen. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. See, what I'm trying to do is lay the groundwork of what they believe right now. Come on, Danny, I have to have you read this one. Ruthie's still, as we all know, she ain't been feeling well, so... She may not be able to get to it tonight. It may have to be just you to help me out, Danny. <laughs> okay, James chapter 3. James chapter 5, verses James 14. James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Is, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he had committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Uh, hello. Ooh, did the charismatics like this? They say, well, see, that there proves you're supposed to put oil on somebody, pray over them, anoint them with oil, pray over them, and tell them that, you know, you pray over them, and if they committed sin, they get fixed of it. And that's what they use as a text, a text proof that those who are sick are in sin. Well, it didn't say that it will, it didn't say that they all are sinners. It says if they've committed sin. Hello, charismatics. It's if. And when it's talk about saving the sick, it's talk about saving them out of their disease. But we got to understand, there's a little more to praying over a sick person than just that. Okay, Danny, Philippians 4.19, another very familiar passage for the healthy, wealthy uh, crowd. Well, they love this one when they're talking about money. Philippians 4.19. Hopefully you brought your Bibles tonight. <laughs> but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, Danny, did he say wants? No, he said needs. Needs. So what's the difference? 
what you want and what you need are two different things. Well, I'll tell you what the difference is. You may want a new house with 20 bedrooms and four bathrooms, but you only may need a house with three bedrooms and one bathroom. Hello? There's a bit, big difference between you, you want what you need. You may need transportation, but you may want a limousine. But that doesn't mean you're going to get it. Hello? You, not everybody needs a Cadillac. Hey, if you got a rust bucket out there to get you from point A to point B, that is still a need. That, that meets a need, not your wants. Get off your high horse and quit this wants nonsense and get to, back to understanding the difference between needs and wants. Amen. Amen. But like I said, hopefully y'all got your KJVs tonight because you're going to need them tonight. James chapter 1 and verse 6. Danny. James 1 and 6. James chapter 1 and 6. Okay, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavered, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And hello, yes, it's talking about when you ask in prayer, you should not be wavering on your belief. You shouldn't be flipping all around, Eric. Hello, Eric Martin. Jumping one minute from the Baptists to the JWs to Mormons to JWs to Church of God to JWs to Mormons to Masons. Hello, an unstable man is on. How's that go? Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There we go. Thanks, guys. I knew I, I knew I was messing it up. I knew I knew what it was, but I just lost my brain there. Hello, Eric. Unstable. And you're double-minded and all because you're flopping around like a fish out of water. Well, get saved and you get into the water, the living water, amen. But see, that's the problem. All of these verses, when you look at them, they very much sound like God will take care of you. And give you what you want. But excuse me, it didn't say what you want. The only verse out of the whole pile says desires. But the fact is, the fact is, if you don't have your desires in line with God's will, then it's a whole new banana. Hello, you may desire a mansion, but is that in God's will for you? Hey, you may desire an old clunker car, and if you need transportation, that's in his will. So, okay, as long as you desire a car and say, God, I'll take whatever you pull in the driveway, okay. <laughs> that's the problem. Some of us don't follow his will. But when you do pray knowing it's his will, if you pray and you know it's his will, what you need to do is be unwavering in that in that thing. So just like Danny and his uh, with the budget over in PA, all he has to do is say, "God, would you keep my job, or if not, replace it with a job that is equal to my needs, so I could do the job you called me to do." That's it. 
Because you may want a job that gives you eight billion bucks, but that doesn't mean anything if that ain't in God's will. So hello. Uh, but you got to be unwavering in that. Amen. Now, we've covered very common scriptures with the charismatics. Yep, I do need you to go there. The next scripture Ruth said she'll read for me, John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, but I want to make this point. Now we shift gears on the charismatics here. Those are very common, just the, only a few of the te text proofs they'll give you to prove, well, yeah, see, God is a God, but what they don't tell you is this other side of the coin. Remember I told you one of the things they love to do is they say, well, a person who is sick, the reason they're sick, Danny, the reason you have CP, the reason, Ruth, you have irritable bowel, the reason I'm blind, there's a reason there's people that are deaf, the reason, Jim Johnson, that you've got that oxygen tank on you, the reason that... Uh, you, you go down the road and you see Lila Onion and she's the way she is. The reason that they say these people are the way they are is because they are in sin. But is that what the Bible says? Did Jesus say this is always the reason a person has got a problem? Well, let's find out. A very case in point. We find Jesus and the disciples walking down the road. They see a blind person, born blind, and the very famous prejudicial question comes up. The favorite question of neener, neener, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, who sinned? Let's point the finger. So let's find out what it says here. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. We're going to have Ruthie read this one. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Hello, charismatics. Hello, folks. First thing we need to understand is not every person with a, uh, a problem, whether disabled, financial, emotional, or whatever, doesn't mean they themselves have sinned. There may not be any sin that caused the problem. Yes, somebody who puffs on cigarettes may get lung cancer. Well, that's because of their own sin and disobedience in listening to those who knew what they were talking about. But that doesn't mean that they themselves, if a person like me who has never done something like that, who's never taken dope or anything for any weird reason, and you sit other than prescription drugs that doctors give me for regular ordinary problems that I presently have, but excuse me, that doesn't mean that my blindness came because of that, and it ain't because of my mom and dad. Yeah, well, hey, yeah, we know they're sinning. Guzzling booze, smoking cigarettes, but that doesn't mean that it's 
their fault that I'm born blind. God may have a different purpose. So hello, that doesn't mean always someone who's sick has, has been born that way because of sin. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. 7 to 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. You want to read that, Ruth? We'll let you read a couple since Danny already read a few. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 to 9. Now we come across another person who is sick, and we're going to find out something else about sickness in the Bible. Hello, Unless I should be exalted by measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might be depart from me. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, hello, charismatics. Now, you don't hear him preach that text, do you? No. You don't ever hear this text come out of a charismatic's mouth. Well, maybe God has a disability on you to, so you could glorify God. Uh, Danny, you won't never hear that out of Phil Scott's mouth. Sorry to tell you, Church of God folks, they're not going to tell you that, Danny. They're going to say you're CP, you could be healed of it, blah, blah, blah. But excuse me, the Bible says, Danny, that he may be leaving you that thorn in the flesh so that you could be weak while God is strong through that weakness. That way he could get glory out of it. Yes. Hello. Ruth, the reason you're sick is not because God wants you to be sick. It's because He knows through that weakness you're going to trust Him more. That makes you stronger in the faith, which makes Him get glory. Now, which is more important, your healing or God's glory? Hello, charismatics. Which is more important, you having everybody in your building always being healed or God's glory? Oh, the charismatics don't want to hear that. We want to see. Uh, hello, you, what you want is heaven on earth. You want heaven on earth. Remember the song we was just sang a little earlier. It's worth it now. That's what they want. The charismatics, it's worth it now. Oh, God will heal us. God will do Excuse me, Mr. Charismatic. Come on up here to Ohio. Let's see you walk on the water. Hello, if you're, smart, if you're better than Paul, that you believe so strongly that anybody you touch, they're going to be healed. Let's go on out here to Lake Erie. Huh? Come on, let's go on out to Lake Erie. What do you need a boat for? Let's go out to Lake Erie. We'll walk, you could carry me across the water, and then when I get out there to where I want to do my fishing, you just stand in place on top of the water, and I'll throw my pole, my line in the water, and we'll go do some deep lake fishing, Okay? But you could hold me, since I know that I ain't going to walk underwater. I know I'm a sinful man. But since you think you're, uh, you, you could do everything that Christ did and more, then let's see you walk on Lake Erie. Hello, charismatics. 
Hello, you claimed a verse that uh, Jesus said, these things you shall do and even greater things than these. You claim that verse that Jesus said when you're in reference to picking up your snakes and all that, but let's see you walk on Lake Erie. And anyway, I haven't seen yet one charismatic raise anybody from the dead. Something's wrong with that picture. <laughs> and Jesus already did that. Amen. But see, Paul was told, Paul was told, now you're telling me, Mr. Charismatic, you're holier than Paul? Hey, Danny, are you any closer to Christ than Paul the Apostle? Oh. How about you, Ruth? No. Hello, Jim Johnson, as you listen by tape. Are you any closer to God than Paul the Apostle? The answer is no. Paul was around. He actually saw who Jesus was. He helped murder one of Jesus' disciples, Stephen. But after his conversion, he saw the Lord as a resurrected Savior. He saw Jesus. And then on the Damascus Road, he saw Jesus. Paul became an apostle. And yet, Paul had a thorn in infirmity, because it says so. You know it says, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. So it was an illness, a chronic illness, that Paul prayed three times. Three times. God, would you please take it from me? God said no. God, would you please take it from me? God said no. God, he prayed a third time. God, would you please take this from me? He said no, because when you're weak, I'm strong. So Paul said, I'd rather then glory in my illness. I'd rather glory in my illness because I'm glorifying Christ. But what do the charismatics want to do? They want to heal everybody in the room. When how do you know that that person ain't there with that illness to glorify Christ? So, first off, we find in the Bible, according to the blind man that Jesus said, it wasn't his sin. So, it may not be the person who sinned at all. He may not have sinned at all when he's in your church. So, get off of that high horse. Number two, he may not be ill because he wants to be. He may be ill because God is trying to glorify him in it. So, quit trying to heal him. Quit trying to pray for him, and the person more than likely has already prayed more than his, his own for it. Okay? But here's another reason. Okay, jo- Job. Job, Danny, we're going to have you go to these. There's two settings of Scripture. We're going to have Ru- Danny, you read one. Ruth, you'll read one. Danny, I want you to read Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. Verses 11 and 12, Danny, you'll be reading Job 1, Job chapter 1, verses 11, 12, and Ruth, you're going to read chapter 2, three to six, Ruth, that's what you're going to read, okay? Go ahead, Danny, with yours. Chapter 1, verses 5 and 6? No, chapter 1. 11 and 12. Job, Job 1, 11 and 12. But put forth thine hand now, 
and touch all that he hath said, he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy fourth thine hand. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself, but not for but not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Okay, now Ruthie, chapter two, verses three to six. Chapter two, verses three through six. And the Lord said unto Satan, <clears throat> Hast thou considered, my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. Now, do you notice something important here? The first person we pointed out, he was not in sin, he just happened to be born that way. And I'll be explaining why he was born that way, charismatics. But then Paul... He was given a thorn in the flesh. The Lord gave him a thorn in the flesh so that he could glorify God. That's number two. Number three, we find here, hello, the old slew foot, the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, the father of lies. He walks up in, he has, hello, he has to report. <laughs> Picture that. When all the angels come in and have to report to God the Father of what they've been doing, Satan has to report too. <laughs> yep, he has to report. He has to report in. And God says, hey, what you been doing, Satan? I'm just going to put it like this to you. Both times he says, what you been doing, Satan? The first time... Both times he said, going up and down and all around the world, basically. Been all over the place. Both times God said to him, well, have you considered my servant Job? But here's where the two encounters are a little different. The first time he encountered God, Satan did. He says, yeah, right, God. Hello, charismatics. Well, has Job, is Job serving you just for what he could get out of you? That's what Satan said to God. Uh, hello, charismatics. Is that why you're wanting to always be healed? So you could get out of daddy whatever you can get? Your name it, claim it, stab it, grab it. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. Hello. I'm telling you, the fast food world in this country and all this instant nonsense hasn't done no good. The second time Satan shows up for to report in, God says, well, haven't you considered my servant Job? And he goes, yeah, 
And God says, yeah, but he still held his integrity, even though you said he wouldn't, Satan. He has held it. And Satan says, yeah, but that's, that's only because, yeah, we took away his money. But, hey, you haven't touched his body yet. Wait till you get home. Wait till you start hitting his bone and his flesh and making him sick as a dog. He'll curse you to your face. But what happened with Job? We all know the story. Satan was not allowed to take Job's life. No matter how sick you get, it is only God who will finally make the decision it's time to come home. Now, did Job lose his integrity? Did he curse God to his face? No. We studied this book. All through this book, I mean, it gets pretty bad when you got, first, the kids are dead, the money's gone, his health goes straight down the drain tube, and then guess what? His wife gets mad. As you read a little further in the chapter, she says, hey, why don't you just curse God and die? But what did he say to her? He says... (laughs) Woman, you speak as a foolish woman. You speak like a fool. Why should I curse God? Excuse me, just because God is allowing this trial, allows it, does not mean that he's doing it personally. So, we learn. It's either A, the person has not sinned. It's to glorify God. That way God can work some works through him. Two, he is got a thorn in the flesh. That way God could get glory out of him through his weakness. Number three, it is a test. Nothing more than a test to see where your loyalty and your faith is. It could be a test. But now, remember I promised you that I said with the person who was born blind... No, they didn't sin, their parents didn't sin, but why are they born blind? Or why do people even get sick? Well, let's find out. Genesis chapter 3, Danny. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 11. We're going to find out where all this sickness and nonsense showed up. As you're turning there, we're going to lay the groundwork. As you well know, God made everything perfect in chapter 1. He created everything. Chapter 2, he put man in the garden, him and his wife, and Adam and Eve. They were perfect. They were sinless. They had nothing going wrong with them. They were perfectly healthy. And yes, they were totally naked, but they were going in the garden, and there was not a thing wrong. Everything was going great. There was no thorns, no thistles, no nothing like that. There was no sickness. If they had not messed up, they would have lived forever. But they made a dire mistake. Let's look at it. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 11, Danny. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they, and they sewed big leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord thy God, the Lord God, rather, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, wherefore I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Hello? What happened? They took of the tree, and after that, sickness came into the world. Sickness, the reason some people are born blind, etc., is because, not of their sin, not of their parents' sin, but rather the inherited sin from chapter 3. Hello? It's what Adam and Eve did at the beginning that caused the whole problem. And hello, Charismatics. Do you realize you're just one step from being Mormons? I know. Where do I get that? Okay. What did Satan say to Eve? You will be gods. What does not happen to a god? He never gets sick. Hello, Charismatics. You want to be gods by never getting sick, or if you do, you have enough faith that you can heal yourself, and poof, dream a genie, it's all done. Hello, I've got Jesus in the lamp. Let me rub the lamp, and he, Jesus pops out, and he says, Yes, Master, and you say, Jesus, I want to be healed, and he goes, Yes, Master, poof. Uh, hello, I'm sorry, but Jesus ain't an amulet for me to hang around my neck, and he sure enough don't live in a, uh, 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 Aladdin's lamp to where I rub the lamp and say, and Jesus, boing, pops out. Excuse me, Jesus, don't do that. Hello, if Jesus does not want to heal me, so be it, I will accept that. Jesus is the master. I am the worker. He is the potter. I am the clay. I, the clay don't tell the potter whether to pick it up and how to shape it. And as sure as heck, excuse my French, but he sure is the devil. 
The clay sure as the devil, if it's got a crack in it, doesn't tell the potter, don't smush me back on that wheel. Hey. Hello. Uh, if you've ever watched a real potter do this, because, uh, see, I studied this at the blind school. We had pottery classes down there. That, I love this. See, this is how I know about this stuff. Thank you, Jesus, for putting me through this. What you have is a wheel, okay? You get your clay, you get it all the way you want it. And then after you've got it all balled up, mixed up good, ours had an electric motor on it, but in the old days of the Bible, they had a pedal that you'd keep working, and it would make the wheel spin. But we'll just use the electric motor type since none of y'all know how to... uh, But Ruth knows how to run a treadle, so she knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, but they had a treadle-type thing to operate the wheel, but we'll just use the same thing, electric motor. So this table is turning like a turntable, like a record player would be sitting on. And then what the potter does, Ruth, is you take that ball of clay, right in the dead center. Now, picture yourself as the clay, because that's what Jesus says we are. We are the clay. We've been just dropped on this thing, and all of a sudden we're getting dizzy. Psychos. Uh, what was that song? I'm getting dizzy, my head. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, I know. I, yeah, I know some of these songs, okay? At least that part of the song was clean, okay? But the whole thing is, that clay is over there spinning around. And guess what the potter starts to do? He takes his hand after he... Picture being the clay. You've been dropped on this thing. You're spinning in circles. You're getting dizzy, right? And then all of a sudden, he grabs you in the top center of you and you just start squishing. And then he starts drawing his fingers up like this, pulling and dragging on you. That's how a pot is made. Out of clay. Now, if the potter sees a crack or a too thin area, guess what he does to it? Swoosh! Smooshes it down and then does it all over again. When he finally gets the pot with the clay just right, after all of that, now you think your troubles are over, huh? The spinning wheel was shut off, the thing stopped spinning, you quit getting dizzy. You look real nice, but you're not done yet. That potter scrapes you up off of that wheel. Carries you over, he opens the door, shoves you in, closes the door. Next thing you know, it gets real hot. The kiln where you bake. Now picture being the clay here, people, because God said that's what we are. You're put through the fire of that kiln, but after you've been kiln dried and you're taken out, if there's no cracks, no nothing, no flaws, then you're used. God tells us we're either vessels to honor or dishonor. A dishonored vessel is the one that's thrown over in the corner that ain't used. The ones of honor are used. Why? Because they've let themselves be worked on by the master over and over until they're perfected. And they will be permanently perfected when they get to heaven. All right. So Job had to go through these trials because God said, okay, that's it. But now all of a sudden we find this person here, God says the inherited sin is what causes a lot of it. 
But the charismatics, they don't want that. Uh, excuse me, you're flying in the face. You're coming right up in God's face saying, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to get sick. I'm going. Oh, I got enough faith that I, it's the desires of my heart that I be healed. And so I'm going to go over here and lay hands on people and they'll be healed. When in fact, God may not want that person healed. The reason people were healed in the Bible was because God knew those people being healed would glorify him. Hello, charismatics. And how many thousands upon thousands of people were in Jerusalem, and how many do you hear of being healed in the Bible? Not all, most. The word in the King James says many, but it didn't say every last time he walked into places he healed everybody. Well, you can't prove that preacher. Well, you just better hold on to your hat, Grandma. Like I said, put another tape on Okay, 1 Peter chapter 4. What are you going to do with this one, charismatics? Well, I know what they do. They threw it out of their Bible long ago. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1, 2, then we jump down to 12 and 13. Hello, you two. I want to see if you guys remember your... Uh, uh, I'm going to be checking with you tonight. Okay, see how well you've been memorizing the memory verse I gave you, okay? Now, but the thing is, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Let me stop right there. How much has Christ suffered for us in the flesh? Can anybody tell me? Well, if you know anything about the crucifixion, there was a lot of suffering. He went as far as to give his life. Now, what does it say? For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, you're not going to like the next words, charismatics. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Yes. Right, let me repeat that. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. They don't want to hear that. That's why you never hear a charismatic preach 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. You never hear him preach it. Never once. I never heard a charismatic preach it. Never hear nobody with the healthy, wealthy, name it, claim it, stab it, grab it. My name is Jimmy. I'll take all you. Give me gospel. That you never hear them preach this. Because if they did, they'd have to go against everything they've been saying. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, how much? He gave his all. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. What does that mean? Means you better be get ready to give your all. Danny, that means you better be ready to give your all. Jim Johnson, as you listen by tape, you better be ready to give your all. You need to think like Christ did. As much as he is willing to go through the pain, suffering, and torture on the cross, you have to have the same mindset. Well, preacher, you can't prove that he was willing to take all that pain. Oh, yes, I can. You better hold on to your hat, Grandpa, because we're going to prove it to you tonight. And we're going to shut that dumb charismatic nonsense up real fast. Now, Danny, verse 12. Without looking at it, without looking at it, 12 and 13, I want you to see if you could quote it yet. 
Beloved, take it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Okay, that's 12, 13. But rejoice. Uh-huh. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Nice. You had one word off, but acceptable. It doesn't lose, the word you messed up did not lose the meaning. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, ye shall be glad also with exceeding joy. Hello, that doesn't mean it's going to happen here. Charismatics. It's not going to happen here. Quit trying to get your heaven on earth. Try to start getting your heaven, not on earth, but in heaven. What good is it going to be for you when you walk up to heaven and you've already had all the goodies down here? You ain't going to want to worry about what's coming. You ain't got nothing to look forward to if you've been having all the good stuff down here. But excuse me, with me being not able to see very good down here, guess what I could say? I could sing long, I can sing loud, and I can sing strong. What a day that will be when my Savior I shall see. When I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace, when He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, not because I can't see or, or I need some mobility device to get around. No, He just takes me by the hand because He loves me and leads me through the promised land, not because I need a leader. It's because He wants to give me a, the grand tour. He leads me by the hand. Through the promised land. What a day. Glorious day that's going to be. I got something to look forward to. I'd rather be blind last, every last day of my life right from right now. Knowing that when I die, the very first thing I'll see is Jesus' face. Just think about it. Fanny J. Crosby said the very same thing. She said, that's the one thing I enjoy about being blind. Because the minute I close my eyes in death, I haven't seen a thing. But when I get to heaven, when I die, the very first thing, when I get there, I open up my new glorified eyes that are in the spiritual body that I want to have. The first thing I'm going to see is Jesus the one who saved me. Now that's going to make it worth it all right there alone. Hello, Charismatics. You want all the healings down here, but I look, I, in many ways, I am so glad that I can't see. I'll have to look at the wicked, rotten nonsense that's out there. Hello. I've got good reason to shout that I can't see. Amen, amen, amen. We ought to be rejoicing in that, but we don't. We'd rather have all the goodies down here and we want to forget First Peter. Yeah, we do. Matthew chapter 6. Hello, Charismatics. What are you going to do with this one? 
Oh, I know what they did. They threw it out of their NIV, probably. Matthew chapter 6. Take a look at this. Matthew 6. 19 to 24. Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Let Ruthie get to read this one. Hello, healthy, wealthy. What are you going to do with this about your healthy, wealthy nonsects? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and dust rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And I be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Therefore the light that is in thy be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, many times, many people go over that, they like to pull out the light of the body as the eye and all that. Have you ever wondered why Jesus put it in the midst of verses that talk about treasures and money? Have you ever wondered that, Danny? Yes. Well, let me help you with that. What happens when people see money? They get greedy. They get selfish. So if the light in your eye be the dollar mark... In reality, you've darkened your vision. So the question then becomes, which one are you, what are you looking at, is what Jesus is saying. Are you looking at money? Are you looking at the real Savior? Hey, you can't take it with you, folks. Hello, charismatics. No matter how wealthy, God blesses you with all his benefits that you want to preach on. Excuse me, but let me make a very strong point to you. Uh, excuse me, you ain't taking it with you. Paul said the same thing. Hello, when you die, look, Napoleon, he kicked all kinds of behind out there. He was a conqueror's conqueror. You know what he said? He told, he told the people around him, he says, when I die, I want you to do this. I want you to bury my hands. I want my hands outside the garment you bury me in. That way my fellow countrymen could see that I died like any beggar in the street. I came in empty-handed, and I'm going out empty-handed. Hello, charismatics. You're either going, you're not going to take it with you. A hearse don't pull a U-Haul and it certainly don't have a luggage rack. It ain't going to do you no good. Hello. So who are you serving? You got the dollar mark in your eye or do you got the cross in your eye? What are you looking at? The cross or the dollar? Sorry, it's sad to say there's too many that are looking at the almighty dollar and are not looking at Jesus. Amen. James chapter 4, Danny. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. 
Now, why is a lot of our prayers not being answered? Why don't we get those things we prayed about like that Cadillac? Let's find out. Why aren't, we, why aren't people being healed? Well, hello, Charismatics. Let's find out. World and living rebuked. From whence came wars and fightings among you? Came they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war, which ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Now, what was the reason he said, Danny, that they're not getting? Because they're, they're praying, asking amiss, and for their own lusts rather than God's will. Uh, there it is. Hello, Charismatic. Maybe the reason you've been praying for that guy to be healed or that woman to be healed and they haven't been healed, maybe it's because you're trying to consume on your lust. You're more worried about what you want rather than what God wants. Look, I may need transportation. But if God only sees fit to give me a two-wheeled pedal bicycle... Who am I to whine? If it gets me from point A to point B, I need to shut my pie hole. Amen. If God sees fit that I say, God, I need, I, I need to have some money, I need a job, and he sees fit to put me down at the burger joint flipping burgers, then honey, then that's, hello, then let me tell you something. If it's a job and it gets you the money that you need to do what you need to do, and pay the bills you need to pay, then you need to shut your pie hole and thank God for it. Hello. Hey. God it does not going to give everybody a Cadillac. They don't need it. But if he saw that you needed a very good newer car to get you from point A to point B, maybe for doctors or whatnot, he will provide that if that's what you need. But if you don't need that and all you need is a clunker to get you down four blocks every day to take you down four blocks and bring you home four blocks, then that's what he'll give you. You need to behave. You need to accept what God says. Maybe God wants to use you the way you are. He wants to see, are you willing? Are you willing to serve him despite you don't have all that healthy, wealthy nonsense? That's the problem. Too many trying to consume on their lust. They want what they want, not what God said they need. Amen. Okay. John chapter 5. Remember our song that we started with, the Pool of Bethesda. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. We're going to have Ruthie read this. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. And then I want, I want you both to hold your finger at this story because I want to bring out a point that many charismatics miss about this very favorite story of theirs. And I want to prove to you that Jesus did not heal everybody. Hello, charismatics. John chapter 5, verses 1 to 15. When you got it, Danny, say amen. Amen. 
After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him, That was cured. It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed, and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed, and walk? He that was healed was not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple, and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Now hold your places there. There's a couple good questions, and I want you both to answer me out loud. First off, was there just one person laying around that pool? Danny, was there? Nope. How many porches do you hear of? Five porches. Five porches. And each of these porches having people that were impotent, blind, lame, whatever. How many people did Jesus speak to this day? How many? Anybody know the answer? A great multitude. Says there's a great multitude, but how many did he speak to and say, Wilt thou be made whole? The blind. Just the one impudent man. He didn't say it to, look, there are five porches. Even if there was only one person in each porch, there would be four people that were not healed. And that would be at the minimum. But it said a great multitude, so that means there had to be at least maybe ten or more per porch. And only one person Jesus looked at and said, Wilt thou be made whole? The man says, Look, the, when the angel comes down and troubles the water, I try to get up, get ready to go. But no one's a Excuse me. That man was relying on other men to heal him to put him in the pool. But when he saw no one coming, he decided he wanted to try to get healed. So he'd try to go toward the water, but by then somebody else stepped in and they got healed and that was the end of it for that year. 
So what Jesus said, okay. He said, all right, everybody, get up. Pick up your beds, your couches, and all of you walk. Is that what you read? No. How many people walked away? Just one. Just one, charismatics. Just one. You know what his sin was? They try to say that his sin was he did not have enough faith to be healed. No. He knew where his healing was. He, his sin was he was relying on other people to do the healing for him. He expected everything to be brought to him because he was impudent. Now, let me make a point here. Jesus did tell him to go and sin no more, meaning there was some sin in his life that caused him to be in that shape. But let me tell you something now. First of all, Jesus did not heal everybody in that porch, in that area. There were lots that watched Jesus heal this man. A lot of them heard the healing, but it was only one that walked away. Number two charismatics that I want to make, it, make plain here. What happened when the guy picked up his couch? It was a Sabbath day, and who come by? Of course, the nitpickers. They had to find a fault. Rather than praising God that this guy is no longer going to be laying there, instead, now he is taking and being healed, and they're going to complain about it. But you know what's funny about this guy wanting to get other people to heal him? What about the crowds that are flocking to Ernest Angley? What about the crowds flocking to Rod Parsley? And all these other guys, uh, um, Benny Hinn, Swaggart, Pat Robertson, and all these other things where they're calling in to get healed. They're flocking to man. Still flocking to man. Excuse me, if God wants to heal a person, if it is His will... To heal you, Danny, you don't need to go to Oral Roberts. You don't need to go to Ernest Angley. You don't need to go to nobody else. You could be healed right where you're sitting tonight in your apartment by yourself with no one else in the room. But, let me tell you, if God wants to heal you, he'll do it. If he wants to heal you, Ruth, you don't need to go to Ernest Angley. You don't need to pick up the telephone, call Pat Robertson, or none of these other uh, bozos. If God wants to heal you, he can heal you sit right where you are, and I wouldn't even have to touch you with a finger. If God wants to heal somebody, he's going to do it, and he'll do it on his own timetable and not mine. It ain't our place to be over there trying to demand from God, oh, be healed. Hello, Claire Clue. You, look, if God wants somebody healed, they'll heal you. Amen. 
Philippians chapter 4, Danny, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Uh, I think we need to take a look at Paul's, what Paul had to say here. Paul had something very interesting he said here. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Now, you don't hear the charismatics do much on this one either. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, hello, Charismatics. You love verse 13, don't you? But if you want to understand verse 13, you need 11 and 12 with it. Ruth, I want you to look at both. You was wondering why I picked out Philippians 4.11. You was curious when I had you find this verse today, and you said, what in the world are you doing? Well, now I'm going to answer that question. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things. What all things was he talking about? Well, we need to look at verse 11. He says... In whatsoever state I am, I have learned to therewith be content. What do you think it means? It means, it means, quit whining, quit complaining, quit worrying about... Kenny, don't worry about whether you're going to see tomorrow or not. Be content that the fact that you are still alive could still do something for God. may not be a lot by the world's standards. No, I may not have a billion dollars in the bank, and I sure as the devil may not have a big, long limousine sitting out in the front yard. I may not have Chester at my beck and call, but let me tell you something. I'm doing a lot more for Jesus with what little I have than some people who got those kind of things. Hello? Pat Robertson's more worried about the money in his wallet than he is about how many people are being saved. Hello. See, I am content. Now, wait a minute. Content does not mean a continuous grin. Content means satisfaction. Content means like a carefree attitude, like, okay, no, you may not be smiling, but I'll tell you what. At least you know that you're not fussing and wishing you had more or better. Hello, Danny. You may not have, you, you, you may have this budget impasse, but you need to be content with the fact that you still got your job. 
Look, there are people right now who, as you well know, have lost their jobs. Be content. Why? Because you could do all things. That means you can be content in a state of sickness, in a state of low finances. You could be content suffering. You can be content. May not be happy, but you'll be content. It can happen. But you have to do it through whom? Jesus. Jesus who strengthens me. You have to do it through Jesus. That's what that verse is about. You cannot be you cannot do all things through Christ unless you learn to allow to lean on him to be content in all things. Luke chapter 22 verses 40 to 46. Luke chapter 22 Luke chapter 22, verses 40 to 46. Luke 22, 40 to 46. Now, Ruth, I want you to read this. And I want you to read it very strong. Because you know, oh, the Charismatics love to talk about this around uh, resurrection time. But you don't hear him explaining this garden story very well, but we need to look at the garden story. And he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not by will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. What did it say in First Peter chapter 4, verse 1? For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh... Remember, I told you I'd prove to you what Jesus' mindset was. Well, what was his mindset? Did he know he was going to the cross? Did he? Did he say, okay, God, Jehovah Father, all right, you're the genie in the bottle, poof, take this away from me, and I won't take no for an answer? Huh? Low storefront churches. Uh, he says he didn't say that, did he? He didn't say poof, you're going to be healed all the time. The father did not say to Jesus, you're going to get away from this now. Jesus himself being God. Hello, charismatics, you believe he's God. Now wait a minute. Who may I ask, is our example. Who is our example? Is the president of the local uh, Church of God 
the bishop for them? Is he the the big shot's going to tell you what's right? Is he going to tell you that, well, you're not supposed to get, hello, uh, <laughs> how about it? You think Swaggart's got enough? You think he's closer to God than Jesus? I don't think so. How, how about Benny Hinn? You don't even know God, let alone close to God. Pat Robertson, huh? How about any of those guys? You think they're, excuse me, they're no closer to God than Jesus? They, they certainly ain't that close. Okay? And Jesus himself was in the garden, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed with the same words. God, take this cup from me. Was that the end of his prayer? Hello? He knew he was going to the cross. He was saying, in the flesh, I don't want to suffer. No one wants to suffer in the flesh. But yet he allowed the Spirit to have his way. He said, nevertheless, not my will. I don't want this to be my will, Father. I want yours to be done. So if that means I have to go to the cross, I will go. If God says to you, Ruth, you're not going to get over this irritable bowel, you're going to suffer like this for the rest of your days, are you willing to accept that and glorify God, or are you willing to sit there and whine about it and say, I am not willing? Are you going to follow Jesus' example? Who better example to follow than Jesus? Danny, are you willing to suffer through this budget and say, not my will, but thine be done? Are you willing to sit there and say, well, I ain't going to take this. I want my way. Hello, Jim Johnson. Are you going to keep complaining about you, you're, you're sick, you're this, you're that? Or are you going to say, not my will, but thine be done? Yes, we could go to Benny Hinn. We could go to Ernest Ainsley on all the rest of them. But are they? Do they have a corner on God's will? I don't think so. They're no closer than Jesus, and Jesus Himself said, "Not my will, but Thine be done." So I think it's time we get off of this. Whose will? Uh, get off this thing of it's got to be my way. Quit act, uh, acting so huffy puffy. So, the question is, who is your eyes on tonight? Is your eyes on Jesus, or is your eyes on somebody else? Healthy, wealthy, fact, or fiction? It's definitely fiction. 